What's up, everybody? This is Ryan Staley with the Sales and Marketing Build Freedom Podcast. Super excited to have Tony Hughes on today, man. You might or might not have heard of him. Tony's an absolute beast when it comes to selling and scaling and helping companies. He's from Australia and his works and currently works with some of the biggest companies in the world. Um, also advises numerous companies. So he has a totally unique perspective that like, I, and I even touched upon this in the episode. I always, always, always get something great from him. Every time I talk to him, even though I've been in the sales arena for over two decades. So real excited to share him with you. And this interview was on fire. So um, happy to have you on and can't wait to get into it with you. What's up, everybody? This is Ryan Staley, and you are listening to the Sales and Marketing Built Freedom Podcast, where we share with you the underground ninja skills and tactics that the top sales and marketing leaders are using to create financial and lifestyle freedom. And the question that everybody is asking is, how do I create financial and lifestyle freedom for me? That is the question, and this show is the answer. Welcome everybody to the Sales and Marketing Build Freedom Podcast. I have a very special guest, Tony Hughes. Tony, I am super excited to have you on today. Tony, just for those of you who don't know, and I'll have Tony give his proper introduction as well, but Tony is a partner at Sales IQ Global, is also a master strategist when it comes to working with large enterprise organizations in terms of scaling revenue. He's the author of The Joshua Principle, Combo Prospecting, and he's got a new book coming out in June called Tech Powered Sales that he co-authored with Justin Michael. Tony, welcome to have you on, man. I love seeing you. It's, it's great to have you here and back after the Enterprise Sales Summit. How are you doing, buddy? Yeah, thanks, Ryan. I am I'm super excited about this conversation. I really am. <laughs> You're always fun, and you always drop massive bombs whenever we talk, so... Um, why don't you give everybody you your because uh, by the way Tony's from Australia, so uh, in case you haven't heard of him for some odd reason, which most people have, that's that's where he resides and lives. So Tony, can you give your superhero origin story just so folks have a little bit of background about you and kind of how you got to where you're at today and who are some of the folks that you're working with? Uh, so I was an entrepreneur very early in my life. I lived in the USA for a few years. Uh, when I came back to Australia, I decided to get into sales as a skill I needed to develop as a business person and really fell in love with it. So I've been in sales, believe it or not, for nearly three and a half decades. Uh, as an individual seller, I've set records that have never been broken. Uh, then I ended up running sales teams and companies. Uh, for the last uh, probably 12 years of my corporate life, I ran the Asia Pacific region for North American multinationals, uh, tech companies like OpenText. And about nine years ago, I left the corporate world and went out on my own uh, to become a consultant. Um, <laughs> but I, I guess the thing that makes me unique is I do come very much from the real world uh, and I help especially tech companies. So uh, always business to business companies, but tech and professional services companies really scale revenue. And Ryan, that's what I thought we could talk about today. What does it really take to drive revenue? Yeah, I, I think that'd be an awesome topic to get into, Tony, because like, I'm seeing this right now because I'm, I'm working with CEOs and owners and they have these amazing ideas or these amazing solutions, but they don't know how to sell and they don't know how to market. And every single talking head is just going rampant on LinkedIn or whatever other social platform you have that their one way is the only possible way to do it, right? 
So, and you know, like, like you, I came from a background of massive selling a massive company. So I'd love to get your insights in terms of what you think is, is truly the best way to kind of approach that when you're scaling revenue. So let me go through a number of things. Uh, the first thing is we need to be brutally honest with ourselves about product market fit. Just because something's a great idea or a better way of doing something or something that we're passionate about uh, doesn't mean that the, uh, the level of pain that we're solving or the strength of the business case, in essence, the commercial value mm-hmm. that would underpin change is really strong enough. So, so the size of the problem we solve, uh, and a problem can be the realization of an opportunity you know, that's sitting there for the client, but the size of the problem we solve directly relates to the size of the purchase order that we're likely to get. So we need to think about product market fit brutally, honestly, and then based on that, really define our ideal customer profile, what we call an ICP, ideal customer profile. And the reason that matters is uh, the biggest constraint that all of us are dealing with in business and sales uh, is, for example, not the size of the market, the biggest constraint is the amount of time and resources that we have to apply to opportunity pursuit. So we need to go and fish in a pond where they're most likely to bite. Uh, so it's really important that we, that we define ICP. Yeah, I think that's, that's uh, product market. What the market wants, the market gets, right? So um, how do you, so do you look at TAM or how do you kind of approach the, the product market fit conundrum that most people kind of ignore or gloss over? Yeah, so um, t- TAM, I mean, t- TAM means a number of different things. We live, we, 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 we swim in all of this acronym soup, right, in, in, the, in the tech industry. Um, but, but in my mind, when we think about ideal customer profile, uh, it's firmographics, technographics, and psychographics. And, and what I mean by that is if we say firmographics, it's things like the, the industry they're in, the geography they're located in the size of the company, which you may define depending on what you sell by the number of employees or the amount of revenue that they've got. You then start to think about psychographics. You know, are they, are they a company that's defending their market position? Are they a company that's growing like crazy, making acquisitions? You know, what's the corporate mindset of the organization? And then the reason technographics matter is, are there technologies that you complement really well that you displace uh, or actually switch out, uh, or even if you don't sell technology, if you went and automated the process, I'm on, on the advisory board of, a, of an Aussie startup called Trigger um, that runs headless browser technologies. And what they do is, is if you just give them a list uh, of say your top 20 customers, they can just go out and automate the process of identifying what the technographics looks like Right, so so what what are the technologies that they're running using headless browser tech? You can figure those kinds of things out, um, you know, as well as uh, what do they look like from a growth point of view? Where do they typically hire their own employees from? So you can build up this profile, even if you're not selling tech, uh, and you can get a sense of what other customers that would be a good fit would 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 likely look like. So they're probably the three things when you think about ICP. Okay. I love that, man. And I think trigger events are, are seldom talked about when you're looking at ICP in terms of like, is it, is it specific targets of companies that are making massive acquisitions? Is it companies that are consolidating? Is it, you know, cause a lot of times when you do, or is it when they're going through a merger and they commit to a $500 million cost savings number to the street, right? You see all different things like that, that typically 
happen. I love the fact that you call it technographics, though, of basically software that you could eliminate or displace. Um, and talk a little bit more about like kind of what Trigger's doing. I think that's pretty cool, man. And there's a few other companies out there like that. I'd love to hear more. Yeah, so so what Trigger does is, is they say, well, your, your, your ICP, uh, when you define it, there'll be attributes about organizations that you should be targeting. And then there will be trigger events that occur that create good context for engagement. So what we know about trigger events is, is that they're really one of the superpowers of selling. Mm-hmm. A trigger event is something that occurs in the buyer's world that creates awareness of need. And from the seller's point of view, it contextualizes a conversation. I'll, I'll, just, I'll give you an amazing true story. I once became the sales director for a public corporation. So I joined this company. On day one I joined, I update my LinkedIn profile to say that I'm now the in essence, the VP of sales of this, of this public corporation. Because of the money I'm getting paid in our public company, they have to issue a press release on the back of a stock exchange announcement because I've got a bunch of share options and at the remuneration level, they're obligated to do all that. So they do a, an ASX, Australian Stock Exchange announcement, a press release. I update my LinkedIn profile. So we just park that for a second, right? So the trigger event is a new head of sales joins a public corporation. In the background, unbeknownst to me, my two predecessors in the role in the, in the previous nearly three years. So I was the third head of sales in this public corporation in three years. <laughs> Doesn't that say a lot on its own, right? <laughs> but my two predecessors had both run a process to go to tender to market to buy a CRM. On both occasions, they selected a winning preferred vendor. And on both occasions, the CEO of the company refused to sign off the decision to purchase the CRM. So they've been to market twice. Now when your head of sales starts, right? So you would think that a CRM rep would have contacted me and said, hey, Tony, congratulations on getting the gig as sales director. I'm not sure whether you're aware, but your two predecessors in the last few years both ran a process to buy a CRM. And on both occasions, your new boss wouldn't approve it. I've got some ideas on why that was the case. When can we catch up for coffee? I would have given you a meeting in a heartbeat. I don't want to be the third person that fails to get the CEO to approve something that obviously I need in my role and the business needs. But not one salesperson contacted me, not one. Really? And yet, and yet it would have been the warmest call, not no cold call, the warmest call a person could have ever made. Um, and because the thing is this with trigger events and, and trigger events feed into the second thing we need to know about, about scaling revenue. The first one was ideal customer profile, really define it well and get a good, a good TAM or a really good target list that, you, that you're going after. Then the next thing is define your buyer personas. So my buyer persona was head of sales, right? For, mm-hmm. for a company, if you sell the head of sales. So if you sold CRM, head of sales will be one of your buyer personas. And you go, well, what's the trigger event? What's a good trigger event? Well, a new head of sales into role, or they they just lose a big customer, or they've got high turnover of reps, or they're hiring reps, or they've made an acquisition. These are all examples of trigger events. So what this company Trigger does, and by the way, it's spelled T-R-I-G-G-R. There's no E in trigger. Um, but, what, but what they do is they'll go and uh, create a list of target accounts based on attributes, and then they'll create a lead funnel based on trigger events. Right? So you say, okay, well, we're looking for companies that are hiring more than X number of uh, people in these roles, for example. So they go out and sniff all of the job boards or 
you know, where we're looking for someone who appoints a person, you know, with this in their role? Are we looking for companies that are hiring staff in from this, from, from this other organization? Um, and basically, it, it, and they also do all the basic things of provide um, email addresses and phone numbers as well, you know, like, like Lucia and Zoom and other platforms like that. So what it does, it just removes the excuses from the salespeople. So they can very easily make a phone call, direct to a cell number. They can contextualize the conversation really easy and actually be relevant because in, in this new book uh, that I've just co-authored with Justin Michael, Tech Powered Sales, one of the things I say in the book is that the future of selling is when buyer intent is, is, is identified and intercepted with seller relevance. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you can use technology to identify a level of buying intent and then you can inject yourself into their world with strong relevance, contextualized relevance, and if you can get technology to power that for you, that really is what the future of selling looks like, where humans are involved. One of the trends I believe is that is really strong is that about a third of field sales roles are actually in the process of disappearing. Um, because if all you do is manage a relationship or help someone transact, mm-hmm. there's not enough value in those roles and they're going away. So there's a big shift of resources from field sales to inside sales. At the moment, most companies spend about uh, $1,000 to $2,000 per month uh, on the tech stack for their reps. Uh, I think that's going to go toward $5,000, including virtual assistants. Wow. Yeah. And I remember talking about that with you um, when we at the summit, I had you involved in the Enterprise Sales Summit. And um, it's it's interesting. So have you heard of Sixth Sense at all? I have. So so Sixth Sense is, is, a, is a great product. So it obviously identifies a lot of those technographic, firmographic um, attributes and buying intent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I'm co-chapter head at the revenue collective with the chief revenue officer or chief market officer over there, Latney um, Conan. And she was on, she's been on friend of the podcast. She's been on before. I don't know if you heard, but they just got a, a new round of funding and they're valued at uh, 2.2 billion now. Wow. Uh, and this wow. Just happened six days ago. So like when you're talking about trigger, it was, it's intent-based, right? Intent-based signals so yeah. that you could scale that. And so leveraging AI technology, it sounds like Trigger has some crossovers, some similarities to that, uh, maybe a little bit different as well. Yeah, well, there's there's thousands of tech companies, right? And 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 that's the thing I, that I say to salespeople. Actually, it's not just salespeople; it's everybody in the fourth industrial revolution that we're in right now, because the reality is, 2020 was a was a catalyst year for disruption. It was a year of acceleration with tech. Because every business leader and board is saying to themselves or asking themselves, how do we emerge through all of this um, in a way that we've got stronger competitive advantage? How do we figure out ways of driving cost out of doing business uh, whilst at the same time improving uh, employee and customer experience? Mm -hmm. Um, And the thing I say to sellers is right now there's a bunch of software engineers all over the world that are trying to figure out how to replace you with tech. Um, yeah, and if we just look at our own lives, you know, for me, if, if my, my very first job was working in a bank, um, but I, I think of my life now, if I never have to set foot into a bank for the rest of my life, I'll be a really happy person. I'm just, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not after a, a banking friend in my life. I just want an app, a website. Maybe if I need to talk to someone a couple of times a year, I can just call them. 
um, that I'm, but I'm not looking for a relationship with anybody. I'm time poor. And that's, and that's how most sellers think. They think, look, my buying journey will start within my trusted network or it will start online. It doesn't start with a salesperson interrupting my day. And yet that's what we as sellers have to do and we have to get good at it. Yeah. And I, I think, so Tony, I think you nailed something. Your buyer journey is starting your trusted network. And I'm, I'm hyper passionate about referrals. And I think it's because like, I look at the way that I buy and I look at the way other people buy. And a lot of times, like I have a need, that's the person I'll do. I'll reach out to my network of people in that space. And like that massively cuts through the noise of all of those different opportunities or solutions out there. Right. Um, in my opinion, at least, I don't know about you, if you feel the same way. Wow. Ryan, you and I, and we, and we, and we didn't prep the conversation to go this way at all, right? But you and I are so aligned. I mentioned before the trigger events are like a superpower. The real superpower is combining trigger events and referrals together, because trigger events start the conversation with context, and a referral starts the conversation with trust. And if right. you can get context and trust together, um, it'll move quickly, because Trust is really interesting. It's in one sense, it's binary because nothing will happen unless there's a level of trust. But the other thing is it determines the speed at which someone will move and the, and the level of commitment they're willing to make. Mm -hmm. So if you can, if you can start with strong relevance through, through a trigger event and then a level of trust, they'll typically move very quickly with you. They'll share information. The size of the commitments will be larger and they'll just move quicker. Uh, and I love that because I've seen deals, the, the length of sales cycles cut in half from a referral. And then the amount they spend goes up from 120 to even 150% of the average deal size because there's that comfort level there. It's like another way to put it. And I like that transfer of trust. I also, it's like a transfer of brand almost from the person yeah. referring it to the other, you know? So um, you're cooking with gas there, Tony. I love that, man. It's great. <laughs> You are. You're truly cooking with gas, and that aligns directly with what. And we did not prep this. Just so you know, we did not prep this. Is all this? This was not planned. This is uh, fully improbable. Hey, Ron, I got to say, the saying you're, and I'll say it in the Aussie vernacular, you're cooking with gas. I really thought that was an Aussie saying. I didn't realize that that was a saying. Oh, really? As well. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. No, I, we've used that for a while, so that's pretty cool. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I didn't know that was uh, location specific, but that's good. It shows that it transfers. It's it works across the world, right? There's no, there's no downtime it's to it. True. It's true. So, so shifting gears, I want to talk about the, the tech, the tech stacks real quick. So yeah. what's your thoughts, man? Cause there's so much out there, right? And I could see there's a whole path of the digital buyer. So some of that's people aren't even talking kind of what you're talking about the bank scenario where they don't need a person inserted in there. However, one of the things that I've heard with folks when it comes to tech stacks is that People are adopting them, and, and Jake Dunlap, who I know you know, yeah, um, has exactly. even mentioned this. I've heard other folks, but people invest it, but only use thirty percent of what the tech has to offer. So it's almost like that gym membership. Like, like I got one right now that I still have that I need to cancel. It's like twenty bucks a month or whatever. So what what would you say with that, man? How do you get past that? How do you overcome that? And then I want I want to ask you a couple other questions before we wrap up on the tech stack as well. Okay. Okay. So. Um, I agree with you. Most, most tech stack investments are like gym memberships. People spend all this money and hardly ever use them. 
most sellers, if you sit beside them or ask them to share their screen with you and you say to them, hey, look, show me how you're using LinkedIn Sales Navigator. You know, let's, let, let's imagine COVID's over and, and you're doing a trip to another city and you, and you want to set up, you know, eight appointments over two days or 10 appointments over two days. Show me how you'd use NAV. They just, they stare at you blankly. Um, you know, say to them, show me how to build a Boolean search. Show me how you, you create your own dashboards inside, inside your CRM system. Uh, they, they just have no idea. And, and the reality is we've always known in sales that you need, you need high IQ. You, you, you can't be dumb in life and succeed. Right. Yep. You, especially, you especially need high EQ. You need, to be, you need to know yourself and be good at reading others and dealing with other people. But there's a third Q that we need, and that's, that's TQ. We need technical quotient today. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if, if we can't figure out how to use technology to augment the way that we operate, to deliver a level of efficiency, then we've got no chance of being successful because the best sellers uh, use outbound techniques that create inbound, right? Mm-hmm. So all, all sellers need to be their own, their own micro-marketer. So if we have a look at the tech stack, I, I really think the foundation is your CRM slash marketing automation uh, platform. So it might be Salesforce or HubSpot or Microsoft Dynamics. Um, so you, you need a you need a single source of truth about your interactions. So when you when you go and define your ideal customer profile and you document your buyer personas, you know there's five to seven uh, roles or groups of people in enterprise selling that that typically constitute consensus. You know for a decision process, you've got to cover all of those people off. So once you've defined ICP and buyer personas, you can then go create lists. You know using these sales intelligence tools that we've talked about. And then you need to get them in, you know, maybe a Google Sheet, you know, at worst, or a spreadsheet, or, you know, ideally it's going to go into your CRM system. So, so that's really the first thing. So, that, so you can track all of this, get names, phone numbers, target lists, and work in a disciplined way when you time block. The next thing is that I think you need in tech is your social intelligence tools or networked intelligence, things like um, LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Um, maybe you could get away with LinkedIn free, but I'd, so I'd certainly recommend Sales Navigator. Um, and, and tools like Trigger or Lucia or Zoom, uh, you know, that, that, that give you these dialing phone numbers and things. The last thing is, is at a real essential level that I would say today, especially if you're an entrepreneur and you're trying to drive and scale business, is you need to learn how to use these sales engagement platforms. So things like Sales Loft, um, Outreach, Groove, Zant, even Apollo. So there's all of these platforms that do that. Um, so I would really recommend use, using those platforms and then just start to think about how do we monitor for trigger events and create the right conversations. Um, uh, and, and, and if it's okay, Ryan, let, let me just really quickly touch on the other three things. You need to know your ICP, your buyer personas. The next thing you need to do is you need to nail your narrative, your conversation narrative. Create a buyer persona-centric narrative. It's about how that person can drive improved results in their role. It's not about us and what we do. So you've got to nail the narrative. And then the fourth thing you need to do to really scale revenue effectively is drive the right combinations of outreach, concurrent combinations, the pattern interrupt the way that people sell. So yes, use, use outbound to drive inbound, but get back on the phone. Too many people are neglecting the phone. So phone, leave a voicemail, text message, email, email, uh, even calendar invitations, um, it's really important to actually pattern interrupt because there's no point 
loading into your Gatling gun of automation, you know, spammy ammunition, because all you do is damage your own brand. So when we talk about these sales engagement platforms that automate outbound, you know, especially with email, if you don't have the right personalized message that's relevant to that person, you end up just, just being blocked and being seen as a spammer. Great, great ads, Tony. Well, and, and before we wrap things up, give me a little insight um, and give, give the, you, the listener, like a little bit of insight on what to expect out of the book that's coming out, man. I'd love to hear just like the sneak preview of that as well. Yeah, so um, the really interesting thing with Tech Powered Sales is it's not a book that any individual could have ever written. So Justin, Michael, and I are almost opposite kinds of people. You know, he's, he's very new school, massive levels of activity, knows how to mash up tech stacks and do amazing things. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very much about, you know, make sure you've defined ICP, you know, you buy personas, you've, you've got your messaging right, you're operating super intelligently in a nuanced way, you know, with, 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 with what you're doing. But we talk about the whole issue of developing technical quotients. How do you take the best of being human uh, and become superhuman in the way that you augment what you're doing with technology? It's kind of like this iron man, iron maiden sort of concept in, in, uh, in, in how you operate. So we, we talk about the future of selling. We talk about where all the technologies are going. We define the, 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 the essential tech stack. Uh, and, and, and then we talk about all of the optional things you could add to a tech stack to go to the next level. We provide very specific examples. And Ryan, we really appreciate the fact that you contributed to the book. So we went, we went to um, more than 100 people around the world that we regarded as experts and, they, and, and they've contributed for us. So we think this is really the, the manual for the 2020s for RevOps or sales ops uh, in how you can take people and make them hyper-effective with technology. And there's, there's, there's lots of very good examples in the book. Excellent, man. Well, I can't wait till it comes out. Uh, it's, I mean, your other books have been amazing, man. And just every time I talk to you, even though I've been in sales for not, not three and a half decades, but <laughs> almost two and a half decades, I always, I love, I always get a new nuance or new wrinkle on something that I didn't really think about it or you package it a different way. So I love talking to you, man. It's always a pleasure. And I appreciate you and appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks, Ryan. We'll talk again. All right. Talk to you soon. Thank you for spending the time with me today. I know that time is one of the most valuable resources, so I truly honor and appreciate you coming along this journey with me. One of the things that I wanna ask you is if you really truly enjoyed this and know someone that this can make an impact on, please share this episode with them. If you're on a journey for financial and lifestyle freedom, it is always exponentially better if we're building a tribe with like-minded people who are on the same journey. In addition, I have an amazing PDF for you that could be career changing in terms of the content. Essentially what it is are the top 10 questions that every big customer is asking behind closed doors that no one is telling you about. I'll put a link for it in the show notes. So check it out. It's my free gift for you for being a part of this launch and being a part of this journey with me. And I hope to see you soon.